Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast. I am Adam Lavecki, and I am here with DK Kim and we are your hosts. Thank you for joining us. We are in this space to help you renew your mind and transform your life. We will be having helpful, honest, and hard conversations about culture and the kingdom of God. These conversations will help you to not be conformed to this current culture and will help you to grow in Christ. Jesus commanded us to preach the gospel and make disciples. This is an ongoing digital discipleship discussion. If you find this helpful, please subscribe, review, and share the Be Transformed podcast. Episode 10, Anxious. So today we're going to be speaking on anxiety. There has been a rise of anxiety and depression, fear, worry, and all these things. And uh, the pandemic proliferated these already rising numbers. So DK, can you give us some stats? Can you give us some data? Because data is actually the biggest commodity in this new world that we're living in. Uh, It's what most people put their trust in and bet on. The religion of medical science is anchored in data. How do I know medical science is a religion? Because supposedly in a free country, some people need a religious exemption to not be vaccinated. So I just want to, these, these stats are literally what some people bank their life on and put their trust in. We don't, but we do want to be aware of the reality uh, so that we can be helpful and minister to people who may be hurting. So would you give us some of this data as it relates to depression, anxiety, and all that. Yeah. So last night I just did a quick search on the Google machine. Very simple. Rising anxiety in America. Got a whole bunch of articles. I'll name a few of the sources. World Health Organization, Johns Hopkins Medicine, Scientific America, Psychology Today. So all these, you know, credible sources. Um, so they all have, interesting enough, they, they all have very consistent information. So since the pandemic, they're all reporting over 25% increase in anxiety disorders in people of the world, people in the U.S. And the interesting thing is women are, have incre- more increased than men. Are they twice as likely as men? No, it's still... It's still not it's similar. Like this says women here in this article, it says women increased by 29.8%. Okay. So slightly men, more. Yeah. Men was 24 and collectively more than 25%. Yes. So just major, major shift. And this is a lot of factors playing to this, but this is something to talk about. Because what happens with anxiety is... Proverbs says this in Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. That's Proverbs 12, 25. And so what that, one of the things we can uh, grab from that is if you don't deal with anxiety, it will become depression. And depression um, is a very destructive thing because it basically destroys someone from the inside out. And so uh, this is this is actually a very serious conversation. And I want to just give a few um, disclaimers. Number one, 
um, we are not giving medical uh, advice. We're not medical doctors. We're not prescribing medicine. We're not telling you don't ever take medicine. My issue with that is that as soon as they, you know, you tell someone you're depressed, they're like, here, have, have these pills. So I do have an issue with that being the first thing that people turn to. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk on that and, and try to kind of pan out and give a broader uh, panoramic view of um, depression and anxiety without pretending like I am a medical doctor because I am not. So I want to just sometimes to effectively communicate, you have to tell people what you're not saying. So uh, that's that's very important. Um, an, another thing uh, you know to consider is this: Why do I feel anxious? Is the anxiety real? Can I trust everything that I feel? Not everything that you feel is real the same way that not everything that you believe is true. Can I have victory over the anxiety? I mean, th these are questions that real people who are really suffering, they ask. And I want to just, from the onset of this, say that in and through Jesus, you can have victory. The first place uh, that blood began to flow from Jesus was when they put the crown of thorns on his head. So the blood was shed so that your mind would be washed. So I want to say that in Jesus, there is victory. Now, I'm not going to say uh, that people don't have chemical imbalances and can't need medicine. I'm not going to say any of that, but I'm saying that in Jesus, I believe there's healing and there's victory. And I think that that's important because this conversation is meant to infuse you with hope and say that healing is a possibility and a probability, especially when you yield your life to God's patterns and his standards and you focus on what he tells you to focus on and you think about the things he tells you to think about and you do uh, with your cares and concerns what he tells you to do with them. Obedience leads to freedom. So I, I want to say that because I, I want this to be a time where people feel like, man, like I'm, I'm full of hope now. Because the reality is that people are hurting. One in four people are hurting. And so that, that's, that's 25 out of 100. Yeah. That, that, that's a high, high number. It's way too high. And with women, it's even higher. Can I add just one more thing? How I knew that this became very prevalent in our, in our country. So a couple of years ago, my wife and I, we were in youth ministry. And we jumped into youth ministry just with the assumption that, oh, we'll probably deal with the stuff that we did when we were kids. You know, drinking, sex, drugs, you know, all that stuff. It was none of that. Everyone had a problem with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I was shocked. Teenagers. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's like a when we were teenagers, it was like weed, ecstasy, cocaine, <laughs> yeah. Hennessy. They're yeah. like, I'm depressed. I want to kill myself. We're like, <laughs> what? But let me just say something with that. Cause, cause I, this, this shocked me. Now it's interesting that you say this, it triggered me mm. and it reminded me of something. So years ago, um, more than probably 20, more than 20 years ago, I'm sitting in church with one of my best friends and him and I, and a couple guys are in church and I'm at this Nazarene church where they don't really do gifts of the spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a black preacher in there and he's preaching. 
And so it was kind of interesting because he, he wasn't generally the type, and I don't mean his color, I just mean his flow, uh, is not really the type of folks that were in this church. So he began to call out words of knowledge. And he said, there's, a, there's someone here depressed, suicidal. And one of my friends began to break down. Like, sit next to you. Yeah. And I was completely shocked. I was blown away because this is like one of like the toughest guy, the ladies guy. This is my best friend. This is my partner in crime. Wow. And the whole time he's going through this. And I had no clue. Mm. I, I was completely shocked. And my, my point is he is the last person in the world that I would stereotype like this is the kid that wants to kill himself. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying that to say that we can't judge a book by its cover and we can't assume just because someone doesn't have cut marks on their arm that everything's okay. Yeah, yeah. So this was literally the last person I would have ever in a million years thought would want to harm himself. Yeah, I mean, when you deal with anxiety and depression and suicide ideation, those are fear-based issues. So I think shame is a natural cover under that. So in shame, it's rare that people even talk about this. They're probably yes. dealing with it in isolation. Yes, and men suppress it even more. Men are told, you can't cry, you can't talk about how you feel, you've got to suppress it. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm saying that's not a good idea because what you'll do is you'll either explode or implode, and that's not, that's not the way. So the, the, in our culture, it's like you're either governed by your feelings or you got to suppress them, and neither one of those are Christian, biblical, or wise ideas. We want to process our pain and our feelings in faith, in community, according to Scripture, with help from wise people, Yeah, not— suppression because su suppression leads to depression it, it's not helpful to pretend like you're okay it's, it's no it's no coincidence the world calls us into isolation for a year and then you'll see a spike in this after you come out of it yeah so just social distance keep six feet away from everyone and and you'll be more depressed when this is over you'll and and don't go outside because that's not going to help you don't go to the gym because that's not going to help you don't take vitamin D because that's going to help you. Just distance, put on a mask, isolate yourself physically and emotionally, and you'll be more depressed later. And don't worry, when this is all over, we're getting ready to legalize drugs uh, and make drugs more readily available federally. Um, so we got you. And <laughs> I mean, th th this, is, this is the environment that we're living in. And I'm hopeful because one of the great things about pain, whether it's worry, depression, anxiety, addiction, one of, one of the great things about all those things is they let you know something is not right. So if we could just get to people and encourage them how they can make a shift and a change through confession and repentance that leads to transformation in Jesus, I'm really hopeful there's some of these people who are really hurting um, will be uh, dispensers of hope later. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm hopeful about that. Now, 
when someone comes to me, let, let me just, if I, if I could just do this just for a second. Let's say someone comes to me and they go, oh, I'm, I'm depressed or I'm anxious. Okay. So I'm a pastor and I love people and I, and I care about people. And my wife and I, we planted a church because we want to see people free and, and we want to see the gospel transform lives. That's why. That was our, our motive. So when someone comes to me and goes, you know, I'm depressed or I'm anxious, let, let me just say to you just some of the things that just begin to fly through my mind. Are you in the Word? Are you in community? Are you in prayer? Are you sleeping well? Are you going to sleep angry? Do you have unforgiveness in your heart? Are you bitter? Are you eating decent and exercising? Do you confess your sins? Do you attend church? Do you serve others? Are you reading and challenging your mind? Are you doing what you know you should be doing? Are you not doing what you know you should not be doing? So, so these are some of the things that immediately roll through my mind. Now, here's, here's the thing. In the culture that we live in, they go, oh, you're anxious? Okay, cool. We'll give you antidepressants. And, oh, and by the way, um, those may make you want to kill yourself. It's like, what? Like, I, I went from anxious and depressed to suicidal? That, that is not the side effects that we need. It's like, that is probably not the, the first thing that we should go ahead and just give to people. Now, in the context of this, I'm not a medical doctor. And I do understand if someone has a chemical imbalance and there is a medicine that helps that, I am not against that. What I'm simply saying is, if the first thing we do is give people drugs, I think we're not doing the right thing. I think that there's five or six or seven other things that we can check those boxes off first before we go ahead and just prescribe someone drugs. Yeah. I don't know if you're with me on 100%. that. 100%. Yeah, I mean, even in the Bible, God talks about us not fearing how many times? You don't tell me? Fear. <laughs> I don't know. Just 365 times it says, fear not or do not fear yeah. or do not be afraid. One for every day. Yeah, he might, he might know something about us for him to say it that often. Yes. And he might also know something about the enemy that is trying to project fear on us because it neutralizes us from life and, and from the, the kind of life that God has um, provided for us in Jesus. Yeah. So can I talk a little bit about faith and fear? Yeah, Go for it. I, I find this so fascinating, but if you look at faith and fear— they, they share the same principles, which is it's a belief about something in the future. It's rooted in that. It's rooted about what do you believe in about the future, and you respond in fear or faith. So it's almost like fear is like faith's ugly, like distorted cousin. I, would call, I, I say that fear is faith in the devil. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, so you can't have faith and fear at the same time. It's just incoherent. Yeah. And love, too, is another thing that actually pushes out fear. Yeah. Yeah. I actually want to talk about that, too. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, since you brought that up, you know, Jesus says, or John, it's John that says, perfect love casts, all, yep. casts out all fear. And I was thinking about the properties of fear. And it's not like, it's not like the other, other issues we deal with, like, like sin, you know, whether you want to talk about lust or bitterness or whatever, there's always some route to go after. You, you could like address it. You could like nip it in the bud. You could deal with it. But I feel like fear is something that doesn't have a substance um, where you deal with the fear. It's more like a um, it's more like light and dark. You, you know, another way that I would 
communicate this because we're talking about something um, that is deep and dark and slimy. Mm-hmm. And so um, fear, demonic fear, is often illogical. 100%. That's how you know it's demonic. Like if you're, for example, let's just say you're on, on a mountain and you get close to the edge. Your central nervous system is telling your body and your mind, listen, if you take a few more steps, we're going to be disconnected. And so this, this body is going to die. And so that is something that God put in you to preserve you because there's value yeah. for human life. The fear that the devil puts on people is demonic, it's illogical, and it's often based on lies. Yeah. You See, the fear of the Lord is, is based in and rooted in truth, but the fear of other things is based on lies. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you take a look at the, the Genesis account, when the serpent lies to Adam and Eve, he uses a lie to dislodge um, us from this perfect love communion and he plants a lie that at the end of the day fear creeps in because there's distrust you distrust god and distrust is just fear and then you act in fear and you then you do then you have disobedience then you just yes from the dark uh, door open for sin yeah it's how the enemy gains influence so the enemy doesn't have authority until you believe one of his lies yeah so if fear is more like light and dark, where it's really the absence of something, like dark is the absence of light, we, we, we need to deal with fear with, with shining something on it. And I think it's the absence of love. In full love, fear doesn't exist. Excellent. Yeah. So I think when we think about fear, it's not even about concentrating on the fear or focusing on the fear, but it's where is the love and the source of love coming from? And that's what we fix our eyes on to, to cast out all fear. Yeah. And, and the scripture is very clear, which we're going to get into that in, in a few minutes, on what to do with cares, burdens, what I should be thinking about. Scripture is also very clear on who I should be afraid of. I mean, Jesus says, fear the one who can cast your soul into hell. Not that he does, but he can. There's nobody in hell that God sent there. They sent themselves there. Yeah. But, but Jesus is very clear on the fear of the Lord. And so if I have no fear of the Lord, then guess what I have fear of? Every other thing. Yeah. John Paul Jackson talks about this, and I love how he says it. He says, whatever you fear is what you empower. Whatever you focus on, you make room for. So you fear God, you empower God. You make room for God. You you focus on God, you make room for God. You fear the devil, you empower the devil. You make room for the devil. You focus on the devil, you make room for the devil. Yeah, another way I would communicate that is that people always serve their fears. Yeah. People always cater to their fears. People plan around their fears. And it is one of the things that occupies an incredible amount of space on our hard drive. And most of it never even happens anyway. Yeah. A lot of the things that people are afraid of, in addition to them being illogical, most of them never happen. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think the issue is feeling fear because we all feel fear. That's totally normal. Yeah, it's to be human. Yeah, but it's how do we respond? How do we respond? Yeah. yeah. Do we react in fear or do we respond in faith? Excellent. Yeah. So it's 
what do we believe in? I think we got to take a step back and, and just really, you know, analyze what do we believe in about God, about our life, about our eternity, and then everything should flow from that belief. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I 100% agree with you on that. And it's kind of like when you're, the more your mind is renewed, right, the more your life is transformed. But the more your mind is renewed, the more you hear crazy stuff and you're like, yeah, that's demonic. So, so you hear this like, yeah, that's the devil talking. Like you're very clear. And, and it's like the devil is, is um, he's bold in the sense like he tells Jesus, hey, why don't you throw yourself off a building? Like, dude, like, are you crazy? You're talking to the God that created you. And, 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 and you know, Satan is a created being. He's telling the creator to kill himself. I mean, so I just, I just want to keep that in, in context. That's in Matthew 4 with the temptations in, in Luke 4. And so if Satan will tell Jesus to throw himself off a building, like he will tell you, to do crazy and destructive things. And then he quotes the Bible, you know, trying to to give it a verse, a proof text, and, and he misquotes um, Psalm 91. So um, anyway, I just I just want to to for people to know like when your mind is renewed, you know who's talking. And and this is something I, I know that this sounds like simple and like people are like, oh this is oversimplified. No. When Satan speaks to you, he is speaking to you, and he wants you to destroy yourself because that's what he did. So he literally wants to kill you and take you to hell, literally. So once you identify that this is the person who's speaking to you, um, you got to be able to say, it is written, (laughs) get behind me, no way. I'm not going to listen to you and participate in that. And and so it's like, so these voices that produce anxiety, worry, fear, these thoughts that try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, once you identify who's speaking, it's your job to say, no, I'm not listening. But the issue, why many people, many people feel anxious is because they're listening to the wrong voices. Yeah. Now, if you're not Christian and, and you're having a hard time discerning what's going on, I get that and I have compassion for you. But if you're Christian and you're not reading your word, you're not in community, you're not doing the simple things that God has said, what is it that you expect? Yeah. How do you expect to live a God-centered, God-empowered life if you don't spend time in his word, on his mission, with his people, how, how, how is it that you expect to live victoriously if you're not even engaging? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're prey for the enemy to speak to, and you're going to be listening to somebody. You're going to be serving somebody. So the, the thing is that when a Christian is able to identify who's speaking— they have authority to shut that down. Yeah. And this is, I feel like this topic and theme keeps coming up every episode, but it goes back to knowing the word of God. We need to spend time in the word of God to know his truth, to know his voice. So we know how to discern which one are lies from the enemy and which one aren't. That's the only way we could deal with fear. 
And even, you know, Jesus, um, when he talks about in Matthew, um, when he's talking about don't be anxious, you know, um, I think he's talking really about like money. Like you can't be a. Yeah. You servant. can't serve God and men. Yeah. And then he goes on to, you know, don't be anxious. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. He's saying, know the father. The fa- if you know the father, you won't be anxious. He's setting our eyes upon God. But how do we even do that if we don't even spend time with him? Spend time in word and yeah. prayer and community of, of Christ. Yes. And I, I want to just say to to the Christian who's listening and going, oh, there's hope. I can be free. Yep. But let me just give you something just to think about. When the father adopts a son or a daughter and we put our faith in Jesus and he brings us into the kingdom and he gives us a seat at the table, the father assumes moral responsibility for his children. So God will take care of you if you let him, if you listen to him, if you allow him to direct you, if you acknowledge him, he will. The enemy knows that. So what does the enemy do? The enemy fights for you to distract you, to discourage you so that you do not give the father the place he deserves in your life so that you can say that you have a father but live like an orphan. Hmm. And then yeah. the enemy accuses God in your mind, but you haven't been listening to God. I see this all the time. There are people who I care about, I love, I want to help them, but I know if they don't listen to what I'm saying, they won't find help. Hmm. And it's not because of me, oh, Adam, they're not going to listen. No, no, no. It's if you will not take a biblical truth that you have heard and you do know, and you won't forcefully apply it to your life, you will not live in freedom. I mean, the devil is a, is a believer. Not even the, the devil is not even an atheist. I mean, demons believe and tremble. So it's like demons are believers, not disciples. Like they know the reality of God. They refuse to obey him because of rebellion. When a Christian knows better and, and refuses to obey God, that is a key to living a miserable life. Yeah. So you say you have eternal life, but the quality of your life is miserable. And here's why. You can't have fun sinning. You refuse to do what you know to do. So you're going to be miserable in this life. But in your mind, you're like, I have eternal life. So it's like, well, if it's eternal life, it has to affect now. Mm-hmm. And, and the intention of God is for you to live in freedom now. What's that thing you say? How do you have hope in eternity? But Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's double-minded. It's like, I trust God with my forever, but I cannot trust him with my tomorrow. Yeah. It's crazy. It's not coherent. But, but see, that's what unbelief is. Unbelief leads to deception. The same way faith brings us into understanding, unbelief leads people into deception and delusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that is... Delusion happens when you openly reject the truth. And I tell Christians, if you come to church all the time and don't listen and obey Jesus, you're going to lose your mind. Yeah. Because you're openly rejecting him. Yeah. He, he's beckoning you. Every time the, the scriptures are open, every time the Holy Spirit is speaking, every time someone is speaking from a sincere heart, God is beckoning us to give Jesus the place he deserves in our life. Yeah. And if we don't, we will not live with the abundant life that he paid for and promised. 
Yeah, I think Christians who deal with fear, who live in fear, I think, yeah, one of the things is unbelief. Like, I think they got to really go back to the root and really examine, like, what do I really believe about my future, about my life, about the word? Do I really believe it or not? Is my life and my whole being rooted in this promise of God? Yeah. But, yeah, but I think sometimes it's not even unbelief, but they're just we're just out of focus. We're so... We, we might have gone through some traumatic stuff. Our pain might be really, you know, real yeah. and a lot of struggle. So I think our focus is on that and not on the Lord. So we're just out of focus, even though we believe. And we just got to realign our gaze on on yeah. Yeah, the source of love and provision and everything. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think we can make pain an idol. Yeah. yeah. We can make disappointment an idol. All, all the, We can give that stuff a place it doesn't deserve. Um, anxiety, this is Craig Groeschel. Anxiety is a signal alerting you it's time to pray. I, I love that. Another thing I'd say about anxiety is anxiety is also an indicator that we have given something or someone a place it doesn't deserve. Yeah. So instead of me remaining anxious, it's actually like a notification on my phone mm-hmm. letting me know, hey, you've given someone else's opinion a place it doesn't deserve in your life. Hey, you've given your own desires um, a, a position over discipline. Hey, you've given, you know, and, and Proverbs says, to the thirsty soul, any bitter thing is sweet. So my desires can jack up my discernment and blind me. Yeah. And, and that, that's another thing. So here's another one on worry. Worrying is a waste of mental and emotional energy, and it will fatigue the physical body and the central nervous system. Oh, yeah. I say this to people, people don't get this. Compassion is hard work. And and I'll, and I'll just say this because I care and it's so it's it's just, just honest. When I'm traveling on the road, like I'm preaching in different churches, I leave there energized. I feel, oh, this is great. I'm you know, when I leave Rescue Church on Sunday, I am fried. I feel like I've got an appointment with a couch. And the reason is I know the people, I care about them. I'm committed to them and I know where they're at. And sometimes I know things that they don't know that I know. (laughs) That's always (laughs) interesting. So compassion is hard work, but that's, that's good. Worrying is really, it'll really wear you out. And and so you're, you know, you're entertaining all this stuff that is, is not helpful. Like, I, I will not worry about tomorrow, and here's why. I don't have grace for tomorrow. I have grace for today. Grace is released in the time of need. So God is with me now. He'll be with me tomorrow. So I don't have to worry about tomorrow, not because tomorrow doesn't have things to worry about, but because he's with me. Yeah. And I think I think that's another factor. It's like, are we living life in the flesh, or are we living with the power of his spirit in us? If, yeah. we, if we believe in the, that we're living in his spirit, there's that grace we could always access on the daily. Yeah, yeah. And, and all of us are challenged with, man, I got a lot to do tomorrow. Well, welcome to being an adult. <laughs> it's like, you know, well, I mean, everyone has, anyone who's doing anything significant has an endless to-do list, has a million things. But, but here's what I find with anxiety. When, when you give in to anxiety and worry... Here's what happens. The things that are important no longer feel urgent. Yeah. And things that are not important 
feel urgent. And Pharaoh becomes a taskmaster. And you begin to serve mammon, even though you're not greedy and money hungry, you begin to give things a place in your life that it doesn't deserve. And I am, I am all about hard work. I've been going since I woke up. I think that's awesome. I've got more meetings later. Um, you know, and I don't know if I actually have meetings today. Actually, I might not have meetings today. But tomorrow I've got meetings, and, and I get it. There's a lot to do all the time. I, I totally understand that. However, if my priorities are incorrect, there are things in my life that feel urgent that are not. I have a theory. Can I share this with you? Yeah. So I think most fear is really, at least for Americans, is the fear of suffering. Yes. And most th- Americans are completely afraid of any suffering. Yeah. So I think if we had a healthier, a healthier theology and perspective on suffering, we won't fear as much. Yes. And Americans will do anything. I am American, so I love America. Americans. Um, but we as a people will do anything to avoid pain. And that is really, really, really destructive because sometimes pain is an indicator that something needs to change. Yeah. So we're like, no, we need more pills. And so we'll take these pills. But in fact, what that pain is telling us is a change is necessary. And if you numb that pain... That little problem become a big problem. Yeah. And, you know, many Christians, we, we live with this delusion that if you walk with God, he will protect you from suffering. Which and is a lie. Yeah. He never said that. <laughs> Look at Jesus. This is crazy. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Mm-hmm. You cannot learn obedience outside of suffering. Yeah. I think what we need to do is have wisdom and minimize unnecessary suffering because of craziness and stupidity, and then welcome any suffering that is a result of righteousness because there's a reward and there's a blessing in that. There's no blessing if I do something crazy and pay the price for it. Yeah. You know, that, that's not like the devil. That's, that's me. Yeah. So while he never promised that we won't have suffering, he did promise he'll be with us in the suffering Yeah, and, and he'll go through it with us. Yeah. And in fact, he actually promised that you actually would have suffering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the curriculum of God to remove fear from us. Whenever we go through painful things, fear removes because we know we could go through it and overcome it. So I yeah. think that's, that's part of the part of it. You, should, you know, while we don't ask for it or welcome it, when we have it, that's an opportunity to remove fear in our lives. Yeah, and, and in the American context, and, and I'm not picking on America. We're blessed. I'm thankful. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But in the American context, it's like, okay, where do you go to school? Okay, where do you live? Okay, what do you drive? Okay, what do you have? Okay, how much money in the bank? How prepared for the future are you? So these are, all, these are like when, when you ask them, and so what do you do? Like, you know, it, this is that, that. Paul's apostolic accreditations were all the things that he suffered yeah. along his journey. So it's very interesting that we will do anything we can to avoid any type of suffering, which I think that it's wise to avoid unnecessary suffering. I, I want to just say that. But sometimes you do the right thing, you get the wrong results. Like Joseph, he said, I'm not sleeping with my boss's wife. He's thrown into prison. Mm-hmm. But there's a reward. He was falsely accused. So, so, so it's like, 
if you're going to suffer, at least let it be for righteousness. Yeah. At least let it be because you did the right thing, not the wrong thing, because there is a reward when you do the right thing. There is a consequence when you do the wrong thing. Yeah. So that that's a very important thing because, you know, yeah, I mean, if you're going to suffer, I just hope it's for doing the right thing. You know, it's like, anyway. So another thing I, I just want to just mention, like, we all have things that we are concerned about, okay? Peter writes, casting all your care on him, for he careth, or he cares, or he keeps caring, or he cares now and will continue to care for you. So that second tense of the word, the King James careth, mm-hmm. so beautiful. It is a second tense of the word. It is a continuum. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't care. It's not that he will care. It's that he does care and will care and keeps caring. And because he cares, you can entrust him with your cares. Why? Because those cares have the potential to choke the seed and create an abortion spiritually in your life if you don't give those cares to him. Mm -hmm. So part of my intimacy with the Lord is determined by how transparent and honest I'll be with the Lord. Yeah. So if I'm like, Lord, I'm concerned about economics. I'm concerned that uh, some people are not responding to you. I'm concerned about this this own struggle in my own life. What, whatever it is, you can trust God with your cares because if you don't entrust God with your cares, the enemy is going to continue to speak to those things and he's going to use those cares to become worries, to grow into fears, and that anxiety becomes you know, depression and then depression leads to self-destructive behavior. Mm -hmm. And then the enemy gets you to do the very thing he did is destroy himself. Yeah. So let let me see if I'm hearing this correctly. So there's some kind of concern that that comes up in your life, really concerning is causing some fear in you. If you just spend time bring that to the Lord and just declare that to the Lord in prayer with him, you're taking away the access for the enemy to get in there. Exactly. And you experience that. One half, oh, yeah. I, I do this all the time. If, if I didn't do this, I, I would probably lose my mind mm. because I know things and, and I hear things and I see things from the Lord. But then I also get a phone call and you're like, man, like people going through it. So not only me, like I have my own humanity, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's me. But then I'm hearing all this crazy stuff about people, stuff I don't even want to know, stuff I'm like, man, I wish I could delete that forever. So I even, even in the context of intercession and praying for others, I'm like, Lord, I give this to you. I'm not going to let this weigh me down and destroy me. And then I take my own concern for my own life, my own family, and I give that to the Lord. And, and, And it's like, that is a way that I can be intimate and honest and transparent before the Lord. Yeah. So that transparency translates into intimacy. And when I can trust the Lord with what's going on in my heart, the Lord can trust me with what's going on in his heart. Yeah. Many times when I start talking about something that I need or I'm concerned about, he starts talking to me about people that need something, need help, need encouragement, need water, need this, need that. And I'm like, hey, what about me? Mm-hmm. But he's like, listen, if you would just take your eyes off of you, I heard you. I care about what you care about. Now, instead of being preoccupied with you, I want you to do something for someone else. Yeah. So now I'm not self-focused, but I have dealt with what is in me that is trying to cause me to be self-focused. That's, another, that's yeah. super self-destructive. Yeah. And fear and anxiety actually makes, makes you a selfish person. 
Yeah, Bill Johnson said this, no one ever looks deep inside and comes back encouraged. <laughs> but as we behold the Lord, as we entrust him with our pain, our sin, our struggle, our concerns, freedom, there's freedom in that. Yeah. Because many times people are walking around with stuff that they were never meant to carry. So this casting my cares is a daily. Mm. Let me ask you this. Have you ever brought, and I think I already know the answer to this, but have you ever brought a concern to the Lord and what he, the word he gave you did not make sense at, in that moment to you? All the time. Yeah. I, I remember I was like, Lord, I need more money. I mean, I'm living by faith. We're pastoring a church with bars on the windows. We have no parking. We started at night. There's no one, hardly anyone from the, the, the neighborhood even comes to the church. In a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a neighborhood, which is predominantly Spanish-speaking when we started, it was like a recipe to fail. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Lord, I need more money. Like, I have a family. I have more kids coming. I like nice stuff. I mean, I need money. He's like, I want you to give more money to the poor. I'm like, Lord, I'm poor. I don't think you're understanding. <laughs> I need money. And he said, I want you to, to give this. And he put a small amount in my heart to give every week. And he said, I'm going to teach you something. And through that, the Lord has brought increase. From that moment, there has been an increase. And I'm not saying that we have $50 million in the bank. I'm just saying God has been faithful. And to answer your question, I, I shared with him a very real concern about a real issue you know, dollars and cents. And he instructed me to do something that seems counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. But he was like, listen, if you want to have more money, it has to have less of a hold on you. Wow. <laughs> so, so it's like, he's always teaching us, but yeah. I have to open up to him and say, you know, I'm actually frustrated and I'm honest. Like I'm crazy. I'm like, Lord, like I want to do more for my wife, but Lord, you know, I like nice stuff. The stuff I like is not cheap. Yeah. I need you to help me. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, you know, my wife is patient. She doesn't care. I'm like, I care, you know, like, just, you know, yeah. like she's like, you know, nice and loving, not putting pressure on me. I'm like, Lord, I, mm -hmm. <laughs> I need some, you know, and when I said to the Lord, I want to do more for my wife as a man, I'm just thinking money and the Lord, he answered that prayer. And now um, he, he's put me in a position to do a lot more for my wife, not only economically, but stuff with our kids. There's a whole bunch of different things, how he answered that prayer. I was just thinking, I was just trying to give her more yeah. money at the end of the month so I can just, you know, do what I want to do as well. And he's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'll do that. But I'm not preoccupied by that. You may be, Yeah, I'm preoccupied by you actually being able to give more of yourself, be mm -hmm. more present, be mm -hmm. more. And, Cause I think for men, the hardest thing to give is ourself. Yeah. I, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's such a picture of such a good father where not only, not only is he concerned about giving you a solution, but he's really taking care of your heart to set you up for the future. Yep. Yeah. He's got to be in position. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now here's another, let, let's go Philippians. This is Paul. And, and just remember one thing. Paul is writing this from a prison, not a penthouse. So Paul is not saying this with 20 mil in the bank. He's not living off interest, funding his own ministry through his interest. He is in a jail cell. And he's speaking to the only church that stood with him during his time of persecution. He's writing to the only church that helped him economically. So just let's bring context. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Be anxious for nothing. Which means nothing has 
permission to make you anxious. When the scripture tells you something, it empowers you to do that something if you believe. Yep. Okay. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Oh, I got requests. <laughs> I got lots I, of requests. I got requests. a few in my pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got requests, right? But in the context of thanksgiving, with supplication for everyone. Look, look at this. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, this is important because... God wants us to have more peace than we have understanding. So I don't have to understand a situation to have peace in it. I don't have to like what's happening to be thankful that the Lord is with me in the situation. So I'm not thanking him for the hellish situation. I'm thanking him that he's with me in the hellish situation and I don't have to be anxious in it and I can have peace through it. And he's the one who can guard my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Now, finally, brethren, He's going to talk about the mind here. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So now, I don't want to sound insensitive or like a jerk, but if you're doing that with your heart and your mind, it's going to be really difficult for you to be anxious and depressed. Now, Humans have tremendous capacity. In, so is it possible to, to be depressed and anxious? Maybe. But if you're walking in obedience like that, I personally find it's kind of like starving to death at a buffet. Right. Could you? Yeah, if you, if you really wanted to. If you don't see the buffet line, right? Yeah, or if you refuse to go up and get in line. Yeah. And so it's like, I think that many Christians live in bondage, but Jesus paid for them to live in freedom. Yeah. And I mean, the Christian life makes no sense if you don't put God first. Mm-hmm. The Christian life is crazy. If if I just do things my way, oh man, that's really, that's difficult. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't have, it's like the Christian life is a life that is meant to be active in faith. Faith working through love because you're like, man, he loved us. Man, I trust him. Mm-hmm. Man, he, he's provided freedom. I'm going to walk in that. Yeah, uh, he, He's provided, man, he was chastised and tortured so that I would have peace. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And, and living in that freedom, we should be the happiest people on earth. Yeah. People should come in and be like, bro, are these guys on e-pills? We should be like, whoa, we're so thankful. Like, have you, when is like, when's the last time you heard someone? You're like, man, I'm just so thankful. I'm just, man, like just the nearness of the Lord, just his presence, his favor. Man, I've got clothes I haven't worn yet. I've got food in my refrigerator. I, I've got clothes that I've outgrown because I'm too fat. I've got, I, I'm so thankful. I've got, I'm blessed. I've got food. I've got money in the bank. I We are so Dude, it's crazy. Yeah, and that's that's a scheme of the enemy too, just blinding you to what you already have, what you have <laughs> today. It's crazy. And fixing your attention on what you don't have and putting lies in yeah. what you won't have in the future. Yeah, yeah. People with like two refrigerators and full of food and full of money talking. About, I'm afraid of tomorrow. Yeah. It's like, dude, 
bro, you're fat enough to live like 36 days with no food. Mm. You're going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. We could live off the fat of the land for a little while. Yeah. You're blessed. Like people don't realize how blessed our life is. Mm. Like I, I was telling my son today, I'm like, dude, like we live, you don't realize like we're, we're blessed. We may not have everything we want, but man, we have like so much more than we need. Yeah. And, and I don't feel guilty about that. Yeah. I feel thankful for it. Yeah. So it's, there seems to be a, a spiritual power activated in Thanksgiving. If you could just respond in Thanksgiving, like that, 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 that first step alone makes a huge difference in your life. Thanksgiving is what opens the door to the miraculous. Yeah. In your life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's incredible. And I think what it's doing is we're getting back in alignment with, with the Father. Yeah. Yeah. And when we're, once we're in alignment, we see things clearly. Yeah. And fear is gone. Yeah. Yeah. So I, in, in terms of thankful, I'm thankful, uh, DK, for everything that you've been doing uh, to make this podcast available to people. I'm thankful for the listeners. If this has been helpful, if you know anyone who's struggling with anxiety, maybe it's you. We just want to pray for you real quick and just also encourage you, um, share this. If, if this is helpful, share it. So, Father, I thank you for those who are listening, and I pray that they would live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. It says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there's liberty. And it was for freedom that Christ set us free. So I pray that they would experience your love and your liberation and your freedom, and they would live a life full of joy and free of anxiety, a life full of faith and free of fear, a life that is abundant and that they would have abundance and that they would prosper and be in health even as their soul prospers. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is DK. And Adam. Thanks for listening. Adam Levecki here. On behalf of DK, Kim, and I, we want to thank you for listening to the Be Transformed podcast. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Be Transformed.